Welcome to Drive Time, our UCLA Anderson FEMBA podcast. This is Dylan Stafford, your host, and this episode this week is very special for, for several reasons. We're welcoming the class of 2019 who will be here on campus Monday to launch the three-year journey of FEMBA with the wonderful, intense, academic, social, experiential week we call Leadership Foundations, which of course launches the entire journey. In addition to that, our main interview today is with Senior Associate Dean Margaret Shee, who is the leader of FEMBA and is the person accountable for the faculty and the curriculum and, and just the incredible experience that awaits you all. So that's the main interview. But as a preamble to that main interview, we also have gathered some of the people who've worked so hard for the last year and definitely worked hard all summer to make sure that your class of 2019 is just the best that it can be. So we have several members of our admissions team who are going to welcome you, and also some members of our student affairs and program management team. So without further ado, let's uh, say some words of welcome to the entering class of 2019. So let's start with Vanessa. Hello, incoming class of 2019. My name is Vanessa Carlos, and I'm the administrative specialist for the FEMBA program. And I was in charge of managing your applications and getting them uh, into faculty committee. So great job in sending in your application on time and for completing your SIR. And next we have Chris Thompson, who is the newest member of our team, and he'd like to say some words of welcome. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Thompson. I'm one of the associate directors here on the FEMBA admissions team. This is my first year working with the program, as Dylan mentioned, um, and it's been a very exciting time for me. I've met some of you at our corporate events, our on-campus events, our welcome events, and it's been Great to connect with all you and looking forward to seeing you guys next week. And now many of you know Matt Gorlick, who is our Senior Associate Director of Admissions. Uh, as Dylan said, you know, Matt Gorlick, Senior Associate Director of Admission Operations and Student Development, also an alum from the class of 2013. Uh, really excited to welcome you next week to Leadership Foundations. My best advice for you would be to approach the week um, with kind of an open mind, to listen to your classmates and be ready to step outside of your comfort zone. This week is, is all about you and learning about yourself and uh, enjoy it. And a person that we now transition away from the team that worked with the admission season to the to the team that will really uh, take stewardship of your of your journey for the next three years, specifically next week with Leadership Foundations, but much more and, and beyond that as, uh, as you get to meet some of the student affairs and program management team members who are with us today. So we'll begin with Cedric Dicker, who will be very important for everyone in the class of 2019, as he will be your program manager. Hi, everyone. Cedric Dicker here. As Dylan mentioned, I'm going to be your program manager for your journey through your FEMBA life. And I know I've already spoken with a lot of you in person, through email, over the phone, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody next week and starting you off on the right step in your FEMBA journey. And next is Kuni Kondo, who, how many, how many Leadership Foundations have you done now? This will be my 10th one. Who is a veteran of this and is a man of many, many talents and is, along with Michael, probably two of the senior Leadership Foundations um, architects here. So, Kuni. Hi, everyone. My name is Kuni Kondo, and on behalf of the Student Affairs team, I just want to let you know that we're here to support you through your academic journey, and we're all looking forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, Cooney. And last but not least, um, the veteran in the room, the man who has witnessed this will be his 17th Leadership Foundations and brings a tremendous amount of consistency and professionalism to make sure that every train runs on time, uh, Michael Fontanez. Greetings, class of 2019. We look forward to you um, meeting all of you and seeing you next week at Leadership Foundations. It's a great week to get to know the uh, Anderson staff, faculty, and your, your classmates. 
it, it should be a really fun week, and we look forward to, to meeting you. So thanks, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Senior Associate Dean Margaret Shee. Uh, she's been accountable for FEMBA the last two years and has really um, set a, a new pace for us in terms of her leadership, and we, we know you're going to enjoy meeting her next week. And uh, the faculty who are um, going to be teaching sections one, two, three, four, and 5 are all lined up and ready to go, and we've got your name tags and your sections and your group assignments, so um, we are just ready to host you. Enjoy the weekend, prepping the final readings, looking over the Peterson case one more time, anything you want to do, but we will see you with bells on on Monday. So I thought we could begin with, maybe people would love to know, like, where'd you grow up? Okay, so, um, well, I grew up in Germany and Canada, and uh, my parents uh, moved to North America from, from Taiwan. How long did you live in, in Germany and, in, and then in Canada? Um, for Germany, I was there till about seven and then um, we moved to Canada, and that was interesting because I was a little Asian kid who didn't speak a word of English, and I only spoke German wow. at that point. And I remember being pulled out of my French classes, because Canada is both French and English, uh, for them to teach me, to teach me English. Um, and, and then I moved to Vancouver, and then I came down to the States when I was 18. Oh my goodness, wow. And then when it came time to choose your college, so you're a Stanford Cardinal undergrad, what, mm -hmm. what had you choose Stanford? Um, honestly, it was the weather and the beautiful <laughs> campus. I mean, it's a, it's a really great school with lots of resources, and I, I had a great time there. I mean, I learned a lot. And your, your BA was psychology with honors, and, and then, you know, did you instantly know that you were going to continue your education? How, how did... How did you launch yourself towards your master's and, and PhD? Well, I was one of those undergrads, actually, who graduated without a job and not knowing what I wanted to do. So um, I remember I had done a lot of research while I was an undergrad. And um, in December of my senior year, my professor finally emailed me and asked me, Margaret, at some point, you know, please come see me because we need to talk about your future. All the other students had asked her for letters of recommendation for graduate school, for law school, for med school, and I hadn't come to her for anything. And so that night I panicked, thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And decided I want to go to law school. So okay. I went to talk to her, and I said, I want to go to law school. And she, she sort of looked at me and said, oh, really? Um, you know, that's a great profession, Margaret. Um, but, you know, you, you really seem to have a knack for research, and you should really consider it. And so that's, uh, that's, so that's what I ended up thinking about. And I took the year uh, after I graduated to do some research with some professors at Stanford and realized that that's really what I wanted to do. And, and you, had, you had started in psychology, and then you, you focused as you uh, were accepted and went to Harvard in social psychology. How did... Of all the choices within your, your discipline, how did you choose social psychology? Well, I've always been interested in how context shapes people's behavior. Um, you know, growing up in so many different places and so many different cultures, I could really see how much context shapes people's behavior and what people, how people think and what they say is very much determined by their surroundings. And, um, and so that, that's sort of at the broadest level uh, why I was interested in social psychology. I became interested in stigma, prejudice, discrimination, implicit bias. I think a lot from my from my childhood. I remember growing up in Germany, 
um, my parents being sort of asked to leave restaurants or being denied service because we were Asian. Wow. And um, although I didn't have a, a, a very clear understanding of what was going on, I did know that it was there's some sort of animosity toward them. And so that's how I developed my interest in understanding biases and discrimination. And as you as you were going through your, your PhD, did you how did you balance your thinking and your where did you how did you develop your research? I should probably ask it that way. I knew I wanted to be a professor when I started TAing or at Harvard it was called being a teaching fellow. Um, I got to teach small sections of undergraduates and found that I have um, a real affinity for it. Um, and I, I think it actually is natural now, thinking back, because my, I came, come from a long line of teachers, my father and my mother, very much um, a teaching family. And so it seems to be ingrained in me to, to really like teaching. And so academics seemed like the natural step for me. Oh, that's fun. And, and you've taught you've taught here a lot. <laughs> so I came and started teaching here in 2006. Mm -hmm. um, I'm teaching in the full-time MBA program and also in the FEMBA program. And between between the completion of your studies in UCLA, you, you taught at Michigan and then you had been at Rand. Right. So I taught at Michigan uh, for about eight years. And, um, and, I, and then I did my sabbatical at RAN, where I did a lot of public policy research. Mm. I'm trying to find ways where um, my research could be used for, uh, to make an impact on our social world. Mm. That's fantastic. So, um, and then the last two years, I guess, have been a very busy chapter of your career also. So you stepped up into the role of Senior Associate Dean. What... Um, What's it like to be in charge of everything? <laughs> it's intimidating, but also very rewarding. Uh, administration actually seemed like the natural next step for me in terms of what I wanted to do. I, I, I started doing research trying to understand some of the psychological underpinnings of inequities. Right? So how our implicit biases might cha uh, change the way that we see some Thing or interpret some behavior or interpret events. Um, and uh, administration seemed to be sort of the natural next step for this in terms of wanting to do something that could have a positive impact on students' lives. I've uh, been teaching for a long time and I got a chance to get to know a lot of the students and I found that I like them a lot. I like the students very much. And so administration seemed to be a way where I could make a big impact and do something productive and proactive. Well, and um, I guess we could talk, you know, some of the, a couple things, you know, that I'm aware of that obviously we're, we're really looking at how do we increase our, how do we present the MBA as a pathway for people who might not have considered it otherwise? Um, and, well, let's see, and, and what do you like, I think another thing that was really interesting for me getting to know you the last two years was to hear your perspective on, teaching working professionals that mm -hmm. that I think what I, I remember you saying well I'm teaching the same content but as a professor I know that it's a it's a different it's different for a student who is going to go back to work 12 hours later if, right. if you're teaching on a Thursday night and they're going to go back to, to to their employment Friday morning could you tell us a little bit about what what you like about teaching our working professionals right so I teach organizational behavior and I very, very much enjoy teaching the FEMBAs because um, organizational behavior, it's all about people. 
right? Um, how best to, to persuade and manage and motivate people. And FEMBOs who are working and go to work every day see a lot of the processes that we're talking about in action all the time. And so they're able to actually bring their real-world experiences from the office to class. So when we're talking about decision-making biases or um, persuasion techniques or organizational politics, students are able to apply that directly and bring real-world examples into class. And so it makes it a very exciting and a very fruitful discussion that we have in the classroom. Yeah, I love, I just, I, I'm always fascinated because I was a full-time MBA student and I was very young and green. I was only two years out of undergrad and, and I, I watch our FEMBAs walk in the door with, you know, typically a minimum of four years of work experience, but maybe more five to eight on average, right. plus people who've been working much more. And I think how, even now for me, myself personally, 21 years after I graduated, I think now I'm ready for an MBA because you know, you've lived long enough to appreciate and they said this at Chicago, they said the organizational behavior class there, they said, you know, we, this is one of the classes we require. They had a most, mostly elective curriculum, but they made us take that because they said, as you get deeper into your career, it's always about people. Right. Processes, technology, super important, but right. to be an effective manager, you have to always keep growing. You're never done learning. Right. And especially as you start rising in the ranks in your organization, people become a bigger and bigger and bigger part of your organization. You're doing fewer and fewer tasks and more and more people. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes an important, an increasingly important skill as you move up. Yeah. And I think we were talking as we were getting ready for the podcast, you know, things that we're both proud about, but, um, you know, the flexibility that's kind of a hallmark of our, of our, the way we deliver the program. Mm -hmm. Anything you'd like to say about? I mean, that's also, again sort of falls under the umbrella of making FEMBA more accessible to more people, right? So flexibility is very important for working professionals. There may be people who have such demanding jobs and schedules that it makes it very difficult for them to come to campus, especially in Los Angeles where traffic is a big issue, regularly twice a week. And so with this hybrid, this innovative hybrid option, it makes it possible for people who have incredibly demanding work schedules to still study and um, and learn uh, and get an, a degree, an MBA degree, while while keeping their jobs and keeping their careers moving forward. Yeah, it is amazing how much people turn their life inside out. You know, we have our San Diego commuters, our Orange County, our Bay Area, our Seattle, and now with Flex. The cities that were never on our radar, Boston, Washington, D.C., New York City. Right. Um, it amazes me. We have, you know, people, a medical doctor from New Orleans, you know, people from Houston. Right, and it makes our classroom discussion so much richer because you're mm. bringing in perspectives from different, uh, a, a wider array of occupations, from a wider geographical. So it's, students are learning a lot more in the classroom when they're talking to each other in, in classroom discussions. Well, you grew up much more cosmopolitan than I with, with Germany and Canada. I grew up in East Texas where we, you know, there, there was just not a lot of diversity. <laughs> um, and now I get this opportunity, you know, that we have 35 nationalities in a typical class. It's just the United Nations every day around here. And, and I think that, you know, what an opportunity. That kings and queens 200 years ago did not have the opportunity probably to have the breadth 
of friendships and the breadth of thought left and right of them that a typical Fimba has on a Saturday morning. Right, right. And it's wonderful because I think we also have a great productive culture at Anderson where people do feel comfortable enough to challenge and share their perspectives and their backgrounds. And so, you know, you can have a diverse group, but if people don't feel comfortable sharing uh, their their ideas and their different perspectives, then you you can't you can't um, really learn from each other. And so that is one of the important and one of the um, things that makes Anderson very special. Well, and, and this is not on our list, but I'll add it real quick to to the point of of culture. I'm always proud of, of FEMBA Council, mm-hmm. and and you know and I see you every month at the at the FEMBA Council meeting, and I it amazes me that our students who are who are so busy, who have 40, 50, 70 hour a week jobs, and mm-hmm. FEMBA on top of that, we still have 45 people who are student leaders through the FEMBA Council, and and I feel that they in real time bring, and and plus your your um, your dean's lunches that you do, I, I feel like you've really, you know, very quickly been a it's easy for people to to add things to your worldview to let you know what's going on from you know our customer point of view. Right, right. I mean, FEMBA students themselves are just incredible people. I mean, they're a lot. They're holding down a full time job. They're studying, and on top of that, participating fully in the extracurricular activities. And I, they they really are just impressive, impressive people. And um, FEMBA council ambassadors they have a real um, sense of service to the school and they contribute very much to our culture and the functioning of the school. FEMBA really is a very much a student-run, um, student-initiated program and it wouldn't be the quality it is without without the students that we have here. And when you, met, you mentioned culture and, and sort of a special culture. Uh, you've also green-lighted FEMBA Palooza 4 and 5. Thank you very much because that's a big... Um, that's a big cultural build, culture building engagement where we get a chance to not only welcome the entering class but celebrate the that year's graduating class and have current students bring their families and, and alumni come back. Um, this year, you were one of the learning on the lawn presenters, and you uh, you told everyone or your your topic was effective communication, and I only got to hear half of it. Anything um, if you could give a a digest of of effective communication. Uh, to put you on the spot? Um, well, communication is a lot more than what you say. When people, when you're communicating, people read a lot into it. Your motivation, why are you telling me that? what you're telling me? Um, your feelings, or how do you feel about it? Um, and there's a lot of channels that you can communicate through. So there is the verbal channel, what you say, but there's also nonverbal tone of voice, body language, facial expressions. And so it's a very complex um, Thing that we are able to do um, quite effectively, actually. So it is quite amazing. Um, Femba Palooza, I, we haven't gone yet. I really would encourage everybody to come to Femba Palooza. It really is a wonderful event, and it's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. Um, and it's a, a great chance to, to catch up with people you might not have thought, seen in a while. And it's, it's very much like a homecoming. So it's a very warm and festive event. Well, thank you for for giving us the green light to, to keep growing it. Last the first three we had, we'd gotten up to about eight hundred people attending, and then I remember your one of your early 
stretch goals was, why don't we make Fembapalooza bigger? <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, this woman is a leader. Okay, okay. But it was great because it encouraged us to think and right. and think bigger. And, and I, I keep wondering, how can we um, broker more? Uh, like Julia Ritchie and the FEMBA Council this year um, are really working hard at the mentor matching for the entering class of 2019. And they accelerated the calendar by three months. Work mm-hmm. that they typically did in October a lot of that got uh, a lot of people at Fembapalooza this year actually had a chance to meet their mentor um, through the mentor matching, and I think we can deepen that in That's future great. iterations, which will make it more fun for alumni to come. And I mean, one of the things that really hit me in watching and seeing how many people come to the Learning on the Lawn event is how much of a desire there is in the Anderson community for learning. Mm-hmm. You know, the student, current students, of course, they're in here and they love learning, but the alumni, everybody. Everybody wants to continue learning and bettering themselves and intellectually engaging themselves. And that is a wonderful quality at UCLA Anderson. Well, as, as we start to, to wrap up, um, you know, having, you know, you, you've obviously you've been a lead faculty member for Leadership Foundations, our, our opening orientation, and you will greet the class of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any advice that you would give to, to brand new MBA students walking in the door, either for you know the week of orientation, leadership foundations, or the the fall quarter, or their first year, things that that might help them kind of get their feet under them. Well, I mean, one of the pieces of advice I give to new students is to engage themselves intellectually while they're here. I mean, you are back in the university environment. I'm not exaggerating when I say that you are being surrounded by some of the best thinkers in the world, and so start exploring ideas. Um, you will have an opportunity here to bounce ideas off of everybody else. And um, as you, even if the idea doesn't seem to have any practical merit, um, obviously at this point, um, just that process of developing and critiquing and analyzing idea really will turn you into a sort of an incisive and a very analytical and a very um, smart thinker. And that is a, something that you can learn at Anderson that you wouldn't be able to get any place else. You can always learn coding language through YouTube mm-hmm. or um, about a, a company um, by talking to people and a lot of training on the job. But being able to engage with people and, and bounce ideas off of one another is something that you would only be able to get while you're here in a university setting. Yeah, I love that. It's a special, amazing window. You know, to engage, explore, to develop yourself as, a, as an incisive, analytical, smart thinker. Well, um, this has been a treat. Thank you very much. Um, if you're listening and you're in the class of 2019, you'll be meeting Dr. Shi the very first week of, of your time here on campus with the launch of FEMBA, the Leadership Foundation's experience. Any, any final thoughts? Any, anything else you'd like to add? Well, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. Thank you so much, Dylan, for inviting me to be a part of this podcast. Well, thank you for your leadership. Thank you for um, being willing to step up and help steer the ship forward because um, we're doing we're always doing interesting things around here. And, it, and you've really brought you've brought a very uh, wonderful perspective from my point of view. You've helped me become much more aware of who I am as a leader to, to my team members. Right, that's from OB. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. The OB perspective. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, this has been Dr. Margaret Shi, the Senior Associate Dean and Board of Visitor Term Chair, Professor in Management and Organizations, and I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of a behind-the-scenes conversation, and uh, we'll be here next week for another podcast. Thank you.